Hi guys, Jenny here. Before we get going, we would just like to remind you of our usual disclaimer. We mean no offence or disrespect to anyone involved in these cases. This is all information we have found online and have condensed into this episode. This being said, let's get started. Hi everyone, Jenny here. And as usual, I'm joined by Amy. Hi guys, for the second time. George is here today as well, everybody. Howdy doody. Is that going to be your like go to? <laughs> yeah, I like howdy doody. Yeah. Okay, so how, how are we doing today? Have we had a nice day, everybody? No. Oh. I've been That's... in work. Yeah, you've oh, been yeah. Work. <laughs> Have you been in work today, Jenny? I had the day off and I was planning to sleep off a hangover all day, but I actually woke up at seven and ended up just doing nothing and feeling sorry for myself the whole day. Yeah, you ended up ringing me, trying to get me up. <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah, I did. I did. I rang Georgia. Like, come over. And Georgia just subtly hinted about the fact that she wanted pastries. Like, has, has your brother got any pastries in, in his cupboard? <laughs> pastries is always Georgia's go-to. <laughs> pastry. Greg? Greg, if anyone... Yeah. Oh, well, I had a McDonald's well, breakfast and it was so disappointing, guys. It was cold and they didn't bring my pancakes. Oh, Who just... actually knew, though, that McDonald's does fucking pancakes in England anyway? Like, that just sounds American. Oh, no, I knew that was a thing. Digging <laughs> <laughs> for cold, <laughs> sorry. Well, I just had a 2XL large, is that right? An extra, extra large pizza. Oh, so basically it was called a garden party pizza which is like vegetarian and then i was like now nah, take the pepper off put on some chicken great. <laughs> do you know what it sounds like it sounds like the ingredients of the john price stew oh <laughs> where's the beetroot though jen where's the beetroot where's the zucchini did i have a bit of courgette on it do you want to know do you want to know what i had for tea Go on now. Oh, God, veg. Just veg. Potato- oh. Potatoes and gravy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so should we get going? Should we crack on? Sip of my tea. Let's do this. is one that's very close to home for all three of us. It happened in the city of Bristol where we all live. This is the horrific story of the disappearance and murder of Bristol teenager Becky Watts. Now just to pre-warn you that some of the details of this case are extremely gory and upsetting. So without further hesitation, let's get to today's story. So first a bit of backstory about Becky. Becky Marie Watts was born in Bristol on the 3rd of June 1998. From the age of two, she went to live with her father Darren and her stepmother Angie. Angie held an elder son from a previous relationship, but he lived with his grandmother. But he visited the family often. Even though there was over a nine-year age gap between Becky and Nathan, they had a normal sibling relationship. (laughs) Relationship. Relationship. Yeah, literally a relationship. Um, 
Allegedly, one of Becky's first ever words was Nathan. Bit of a mouthful. Well, I don't know. My first word, my first word was apparently Andrew. Nathan. Well, one of her first ever words, not the first, one of her first. So, just to clarify. So, although this wasn't your conventional family setup, they seemed happy, and Becky was settled with her father and her stepmother. Things started to go wrong for Becky when she made the move up to high school. Becky was a quiet girl, and unfortunately, this attracted the attention of bullies. She was picked on for her weight, even though she was a totally normal size. Becky went on to drastically lose weight and was almost hospitalised with anorexia. This triggered multiple emotional problems with poor Becky, and she received help for these. Becky was finally back on track and beginning to enjoy her teenage life. She had a lovely group of close friends and was just enjoying being a normal teenager. She was still described as being timid and mousy when not in the comfort of her own home. On the 9th of February 2015, Becky was reported missing by her father, Darren. This would be the start of the traumatic events that would tear the family apart forever. Becky's school friends had grown concerned for Becky's safety when she had gone quiet on social media and wasn't replying to any calls or texts. Now let's remember, this is 2015. Becky would have had Facebook, Twitter, what else is there, WhatsApp, Snapchat, all of that stuff. And we all know that this is something any teenager would have been constantly on. I know I'm literally checking my phone. I'm not a teenager, but I'm checking my phone. <laughs> under the under the desk at work all day on WhatsApp. I know. I'm like, Facebook, come out of that. Instagram, come out of that. Go immediately back on Facebook. Expect something drastic to have happened in that two seconds that I've clicked out of it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm on it 24-7. Do you ever get it when you look at it, but no information goes in, and then you turn it off, and then you just look at it again straight away because you just... I do that you know I mean? all the time. Yeah. All day. I, re- I remember yeah. when I used to have like a laptop <laughs> and I'd go on Facebook on my laptop and then go on Facebook on my phone <laughs> expecting yeah. something different. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, I remember this. Or just keep <laughs> refreshing <laughs> over and over and over again. I suppose when we were when we were this sort of age, the social media side of things were just kicking off. Like we would text and stuff on our phone, but it was like, what, five peer text, so that was limited. So we were like MSN and um, MySpace. MySpace. But my, we used to spend Bebo. a lot of time at El Bebo. I had one called VampireFreaks.com. <laughs> <laughs> was that on the dark, dark web? <laughs> the best time for your email messages. Anyway, let's go back to it. Um, so for Becky, just to go silent, this was strange. So ladies, how long would it take for me not to reply? Would you get worried? I would probably be worried if you hadn't replied within two hours i think is when i'd be worried yeah yeah Yeah, probably that but then it does depend like i know there's certain people in our friendship group who might not reply like for example one of our good friends rihanna she's so busy that she can go quite quiet on our like Mm. whatsapp groups and bard for for a couple of days um, and charlotte yeah and you wouldn't be too concerned about that but i think like us three another friend bridey we're quite consistently talking on them so mm. yeah i think if it had got to like the end of the day and i hadn't heard from both of you i'd be a bit like it, it also depends you know, on what i've asked because usually i've asked you a question and if i've yeah. not heard from you i would be a dick and i'd just ring down maybe yeah, <laughs> i yeah. would ring also, your boyfriend we're a lot older so i don't know when you're that age it's you're a lot more dependent on your social media. I know yeah. we're a lot, but when it comes to like communicate with each other, like we've all got busy things to do. 
Yeah. Whereas when you're yeah. that age, especially if you're in the like school holidays or something, all you've got to do is hang out with each other. That's literally it. Yeah. Yeah. That mm-hmm. is your world. That is yeah. your world. My immediate response in my head would be, "Oh my god, have I annoyed Amy? Because she's not talking to me." <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's my go-to as well. Or me and George's thing recently is when either of us don't reply to something important, we just text the other one saying, "I've something to tell you." <laughs> you get a phone call. <laughs> what are you pregnant? <laughs> it's fucking the magic words. <laughs> it is the magic word. Yeah, just to tempt it. So yeah, I guess that is where it is weird is they would be Mm -hmm. so they'd be in this such tight little network of meeting up and i i I can imagine that she would probably be posting stuff online all the time so yeah for her to go quiet is quite weird becky's friends decided to go around to her house to check she was all right this is when alarm bells went off for angie angie assumed that becky was with her friends she'd had a sleepover at one of their houses previously so she thought that this was the reason becky wasn't replying she thought that she was just still hanging out with her friends. Yeah. I I think from what I've grasped, and I, I haven't found anything that really does give an answer on this, but I think it was like some sort of long weekend or school holidays because she'd oh, had like, yeah. over on like the Wednesday or the Thursday of this week. Um, so, you know, they weren't didn't have the consistency of school. So she's 16. We were here, there and everywhere at 16. I think, I think my mum probably would have got worried, but that's clearly what angie put it down to but Mm. when she those girls came and knocked on her door can you imagine how poor angie felt like oh my god why am i bringing her the sickness that would she's not with them where could she be the sickness that would just i'd feel in the pit of my stomach i i would probably be sick all over myself (laughs) yeah (laughs) immediately just with the the sheer panic that would set in with me because i know what i'm like i'm a bloody nightmare if if it was the case that you know i hadn't heard from you guys and i really or one of you and i couldn't get hold of you georgia can you like imagine going to amy's house and dan answering the door and being like well she's not here you'd be like what the fuck where is she then obviously you would call the police dickhead that 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 dan would have would have noticed before us but can you imagine that like yeah yeah. he's probably playing playstation yeah Yeah. (laughs) we've been on it for four days (laughs) so at this point angie called darren who obviously rushed home from work and they called the police and reported becky missing darren asked becky's friends to go and check her room to see if anything was missing Becky's friends discovered that all of Becky's clothing and makeup was still there. This was u- unusual in itself, you know, teenager. Obviously, she's going to be like never leaving the house without makeup on, I imagine. I was very much the same at that age. Um, so as her, as she was being a self-conscious teenager who wore makeup every day, that obviously did also set off alarm bells. But missing out of Becky's things were her laptop, her phone and her tablet. This again didn't add up. If Becky had taken all of her tech with her, then why wasn't she using it? On February the 22nd, 2015, Avon and Somerset Police made their first appeal for information. The following day, Darren and Becky's grandmother appeared at a press conference asking for her safe return. Bex, if you're uh, watching this, please come home. We love you so much. An online campaign was also set up to gain more information under the hashtag FindBecky. This reached over 2 million people. I couldn't find any further information on if this did gain any leads for the police or the family, but I can remember seeing this on Facebook at the time. 
because I'm pretty sure that my younger brother knew somebody who knew Becky. So I think I'd like seen it circulated through my brother's friends and then my brother. And then I, I, I'm pretty sure I reposted it or I saw it. I mean, it's a long time ago now, but this is one of the rare cases that we will cover that I do remember. Yeah. And I remember following it and being like, Oh shit. Like I I do remember this one. Yeah. Like, like, like I said, it's quite close to home. Mm-hmm, definitely. Well, Bristol is not the biggest. It's well, it's not the smallest place. It's still quite a big city, but everyone does seem to know everyone. Like it's all very interlinked. Like you're like, oh fuck, I've been working with this person for five years, and like, you know, my cousin. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Police searches mainly focused in the Barton Hill, Southmead, and St George areas of Bristol. In addition, nearby open spaces were combed, and door-to-door inquiries were made. Initially, police believed that Becky had disappeared after leaving the family home. This came to light after a statement was given to police by Becky's stepbrother, Nathan Matthews, and his girlfriend, Shauna Hall. The couple claimed that they heard Becky in the family home when they were visiting on the 19th. Shauna claimed that she heard Becky stomping down the stairs and the door slamming, indicating Becky has left the home in a mood. I think we got there about 11-ish. Um, the door was locked, so obviously we used the key from underneath the recycling bin. Got in. Um, heard music upstairs. Assumed Becky had been in then. Mm. Um, I went into the kitchen to get a cigarette and went to go outside to have a cigarette. Um, probably was about 15, 20 minutes. Mm. Then I heard the front door slam. Um, carried on washing my hands, went into the living room. Even though Nathan and Shauna were the last named people to have been around Becky that day and potentially key witnesses, they were very hard for the police to get hold of for formal questioning. On the 28th of February, Nathan and Shauna were arrested and brought in for questioning in connection with Becky's disappearance. Despite the severity of this, Shauna was cheerful and giggly, whereas Nathan was cold and short with officers. Now, you can look up loads of this. There is a, doc- a BBC documentary which very much focuses on well, on the case, but a lot of it is like the body cam footage from officers. And she is, she's like putting her wrists out and she's like smiling at the officers. Yeah. And, like, this is your boyfriend's sister has gone missing and you're being arrested and you're smiling and giggling to the like it's weird yeah. I remember that I remember that document she was quite focused on her body language more than his yeah when they were they did the body cam in the house and she was kind of you could tell she was a bit nervous but she was very confident in a way and then they did the footage at the police station as well and you could definitely tell there's something not quite right with her exactly and don't get me wrong there's plenty of people who are nervous gigglers okay like georgia included you're a nervous giggler but if i am say say your sister had gone missing and they arrested (laughs) you like that i don't think you'd be giggling oh god no i'd be crying i'd be throwing up all over myself if if my little sister ever went missing maybe like a bit nervous babbly with your speech i know i get like that if i'm in a situation where i feel a bit under pressure i kind of over talk and just talk about shit but stutter a lot, she, I think. She's like creepily kind of like, I don't know, you have to go and watch it. It's, it's all on YouTube. Go and have a look. The couple both gave strangely precise and detailed accounts of that day. 
This appears to have been rehearsed. Normal people's accounts of things can change and details of situations may not stick out if they are mundane. But the couple accounted small details like when they did the washing up, almost like they were trying to, to set you know, an innocent scene for their story and avoid tripping up. During this interview, yeah. Shauna accounts how the family loved Becky and had no involvement with her disappearance. Yeah, how is he finding it? Um, he's found it quite hard, actually. Yeah. yeah. Or again, knowing how hard it'd be for his mum at the moment. You know, because Becky was almost like her daughter, a daughter to her. Yeah. You know, and it has been very stressful for Angie. But in the next room, Nathan painted a much different picture of the family dynamic. So how would you describe your relationship with Becky? Mm. Didn't particularly talk to her, but obviously I don't particularly like her. And obviously what annoys me is the way she speaks to like my mum sometimes. Mm. She'd be kind of like rude or whatever, I'm trying to think of an actual specific time. Um... Nathan told officers how he didn't like Becky and he did not like the way she treated and spoke to his mum. In this interview, Nathan does talk about how Becky would apparently, you know, be really nasty, probably normal teenage mm. behaviour, but she would apparently leave stuff around purposely for Angie to trip up on, and he didn't like no, that. Right. But, no, that's a bit... You know, but how true is that? Yeah, it, you know, it could is be that, is, like... that, is that just Nathan trying to sort of just put a little bit of a bad shadow over Becky? Yeah, to try and sort of yeah. cover himself in a way, I suppose. Do we know if she kind of mentioned any of that or... What, uh, Nathan's mum? Yeah. No. I mean, I've watched two documentaries on it and she hasn't really said anything about... I mean, they, we did argue. I'm sure That's all of us... Get us we argued with our mums. We argued with your stepmum, but... No I'm reason you to... with a stepmum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you two are not from broken homes. <laughs> you blessed children. <laughs> oh, we got such solid family units. <laughs> To be fair, I didn't um, ever argue with Tracy because she scared me too much, but it's fine because if she's listening, she knows that. Yeah. <laughs> I respect her for it, so it's fine. <laughs> she's very she's very military. <laughs> but she's fine. <laughs> me and her get along very well. <laughs> now, now <you> do. <laughs> I think she liked me as a teenager, but, you know, that's, that's something. I don't think <laughs> anyone just... they liked us as a teenager particularly. Yeah, I know. Were... My brother genuinely said to me, he was like, oh, I hated you. Like, before... <laughs> I hated you because I was fucking horrible. Well, I also hated you, so it's fine. Yeah, you're dirty, dirty goth as well. Dirty, dirty gothic. Yeah. Dirty, dirty jitter. <laughs> Fuck off, Amy. Did you see your fringe? <laughs> oh, yeah, yours fucking fell out then. You're not one to yeah. talk. <laughs> well, then technically you didn't see it because it was bloody there. Yeah. Pins. <laughs> Super glue. Super glue. It was a clipping extension, I'll have you guys know. And I think that is, instead of taking the piss, why can't you just give me a bit of gratitude for being so creative? Amy Amy did hair extensions for me. <laughs> instead of like putting them through my hair, she just stuck them down the back of my neck. Oh, it looked great though. Anyway, we digress. The police suspected that the couple were holding back information and knew that there was more to the story than they were letting on, but they needed evidence. The major crime units were called in. The major crime unit forensically searched Becky's home and they found something. Traces of blood were found near Becky's bedroom door and in the blood there was a clear fingerprint. Running this through the police database, they had a match. Nathan Matthews. 
With this new evidence, the couple were re-arrested on the 2nd of March. At this point, police believed Becky to still be alive, and they thought that they could be holding her somewhere. It wasn't until later that the grisly truth was to emerge. The couple's home was also searched. Their home was so full of stuff that the police struggled to get through the door initially. Every room and surface was piled with clutter. Like my house? Like your house? (laughs) Filthy, filthy bitch. (laughs) But when the police go upstairs to the bathroom, despite this room also being filled to the brim with stuff, even covering the basin, one thing stuck out. The bath. This was so clean that you could practically see your own reflection in it. Of course, this looked incredibly out of place in the hoarded, dirty house. And this gave police even more cause to hold the pair. So remember in our first episode, we were talking about there's no such thing as a perfect crime. Mm -hmm. This is not a perfect crime. (laughs) Definitely not. (laughs) Because I, to be honest, I haven't searched it, but I'm pretty sure that this pair have children. I'm not 100%, but there's children's stuff in the house. And on the side of the bath, like in the documentary I watched, there's all like baby care products mm. which makes me feel a little bit sick when we get yeah. a bit later on down the story I mean, if, uh, if they had had children in that bath if you are interested in seeing the state of their house you can find all of the police body cam footage online it's on youtube there's a pretty sure there's a bbc documentary about this as well forensic teams began to analyze and test the bathtub and i'm sure you can guess what those tests showed blood and lots of it The case is quickly speeding up, and with the discovery of all of this new information, this is being fed across to the police who are holding Shauna and Nathan. The detectives who were questioning the pair were able to hint at the findings without leading or giving them anything. This is the stage where Nathan's front begins to crumble, as he is trying to work out how much police know and what they may have found, without dropping himself in it. During the continued home search, investigating police found a box containing a receipt from B&Q. Now, if you don't know what B&Q is, it's basically a DIY store we have here in the UK. This receipt was dated the day Becky was reported missing. And the purchases on this were a circular saw, a face mask and gloves. Bingo. More incriminating evidence to potential foul play. Awful. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to interrupt there, but that reminds me of a line of duty when, um, oh, what, what series is it? When he goes into like the B and Q or whatever it is, the DIY store, and he's like yeah. buying all the stuff to like cut her up. Don't give it away. Oh yeah. Just even off spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> yeah, cut that out. Cut that out. Yeah, it's the first episode. It's fine. But but do you know what? It, yeah, I get. And it reminds me of Breaking Bad, you know, in Breaking Bad, when they go to, again, I'm not going to try and give anything away, but you know, when he has to go and he has to find like a big plastic tub to put the acid in, and he's in like a B&Q store. Have either of you ever watched Breaking Bad? Probably not. I actually have seen that episode, and I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, that's yeah. in the that's first couple of episodes, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's quite early. That's I've ever got, because I yeah. don't like Breaking Bad. Oh, <gasps> Shocking. Sick. Everyone's going to hate me. <laughs> I haven't even watched Strike. it, I don't know. It was Breaking who? Breaking you know. Breaking dad. Breaking dad. Stop, stop. Police check the store security footage, and there is Nathan buying these items 24 hours after his stepsister had been reported missing. 
So why, if you're an innocent person, would you be buying these items the day after your stepsister has vanished? If a family member or friend went missing, the last thing you're going to do is go shopping in B&Q. You're going to be around the house. You're going to be going out searching. You're going to be doing everything you can to support your family and find whoever is missing. But yeah, instead, doing the rounds. Yeah, he's in B&Q buying power tools and face masks. Police hinted more at what evidence they had found in Nathan's home. At this point, Nathan began to squirm under the pressure. And then... Okay, so this is where we're going to cut today's episode short, guys. This is going to be a two-parter, so stay tuned for part two of Becky Watts. Mainly have had to cut this episode into two because we do talk a lot of shit, so... Always. (laughs) Never going to stop. Two sections of that instead of just one. So guys, we thank you so much for joining us again. And if it's your first time listening, go back and listen to our first episode. And as always, please follow and like our Instagram and Facebook page, which is Girls Talk Crime. Um, Any case suggestions, we know we're always welcome to them. So give us an email at girlstalkcrime at gmail.com. And we're always wanting feedback. Um, I may as well mention this episode was recorded via Skype, as we do have busy lives. Amy and Jenny are themselves our mothers. I am not. I have a cat. But, you know, any feedback on the audio quality is always welcome. But it's not always possible that we are able to record in person. But yeah. We're always looking for feedback, so carry on. If any of you guys are listening on iTunes, then do leave us a five-star review. Or if you're listening on other podcasting platforms, then share the shit out of this with your friends. Join us next week for the second part of the Becky Watts case with us, Girls Talk Crime. Over and out. Bye. Bye.